you found your way into the White Wolf's Den. It is April 6th, 2020, and it'll be our third full week of the stay-at-home order from our mayor and governor. Every day that passes, there's new information. Something that freaked everybody out about COVID-19 was how long it lived on certain surfaces. We were given our orders to stay at home so we wouldn't burden the healthcare system because there aren't enough ventilators for mass quantities of COVID-19 patients. We have the naysayers who continually go outside. They mock it. They gather and mock, cough at people. Why do people have to be such garbage? The dumbest people seem to have the loudest voice. They go on social media and they feel like they got this feeling that they know something is going on when real life is just too boring to cope with. So people have to fill in the blanks and make it like this is some sort of movie plot. This is all 5G's fault. 5G has radiation that causes flu-like symptoms and gives people pneumonia. I'm not saying I believe it, but there's something going on. What? Some people are just going to church. Like, no social distancing at all. Because they feel like they're protected or something. There was a choir group that decided not to listen in Oregon or something. And 45 of the 60 people tested positive for it. Isn't it better to just be safe than sorry? You know, the reason they keep extending the quarantine life is because people continue to live some sort of fantasy life. Because they're so complacent in this life, like they've never had anything, any type of tragedy really happen to them. They feel like they're like the main character in some fucking movie. And they rarely face any real danger in life, or or they're even too stupid to notice the danger. And they think nothing will ever happen to them. It's like, it's like Bird Box. Spoiler alert, in case somebody hasn't seen it. But by, if you haven't seen it by now, probably not going to anyway, so it doesn't matter. There's some of the people in that movie, aren't. there's like a disease, and some people aren't affected as bad. And they try to like force people to see these demons, and then the, so that they can get killed. <laughs> there are people out there like that. They're so selfish, and they're in denial. And that's the golden child of disease spreaders right there. Uh, Some of you who don't know, uh, I'm the one who makes all the music for the podcast, so the song playing right now is called You Belong to Me. It's by the Swedish Nightingales, which is my little project with uh, Yard Dog, which he came up with the name. It's spelled K-N-I-G-H-T-G-A-L-E-S. We're going to start slowly putting stuff on the internet. If you like the song, I'm putting it at the end of the podcast, and there won't be any talking over it. And uh, we'll find a way to get it to you if you just email me at whitewolfsden at gmail.com. Today, I have Joe Martinez on the show. He's a buddy of mine. I met on a show. I met him on a show called Game Face. It was a kind of a hard show. A lot of work on that one. He does special effects and prop making. He's uh, he sculpts. He works with like foam as well. Does foam sculpting. He plays guitar and he has like over 200 of them that he rents out, he buys and trades them. He's not afraid to speak his mind and he gets blocked on Facebook sometimes because he just talks a lot of shit. (laughs) He starts off a bit hot because we were having some technical difficulties with FaceTime. So there's no video for this one. Uh, So enjoy. Hello. We could do it this way, the old fashioned way on the phone without FaceTime. Am I am I being recorded right now? Under the law, LA Municipal Code number sixty nine, 
I must inform you that you are being recorded right now on the White Wolf's Den podcast. Hello, Bobby. <laughs> hey, hey, Mr. 5G, your, your phone is breaking up as we're talking, so I don't know how good this 5G thing is. I think it's a bunch of bullshit, to be quite honest. I think they went too fast, they didn't test it, and they're a bunch of fucking morons. <laughs> and we're paying... And we're paying we're paying high dollar for a bunch of fucked up shit. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, uh, iPhones. Yeah. I mean, no offense. I mean, they don't they don't sponsor me, so I'll just say what it is. I mean, my phone was like twelve hundred bucks when I bought it. So far, so good. The last one was the same, and it broke like a year and a half in. You know. Yeah. <laughs> They're like a thousand dollars. Huh? Dude, I got I got two of them. Okay, I got one on Verizon and one on AT&T because I can't trust that one's going to work wherever I'm at. That's what I was wondering. See, you're That's you're an enigma, man. Like, I was like, because <laughs> when I was calling you, I was like, maybe my computer wasn't calling the right number. So I went on my computer and I deleted both numbers and then I added that other number and it still didn't work. It's it's. I think they rolled this thing out like the back of their ass. They didn't see it. They didn't wipe it straight. They don't know a damn thing. So, did you? Yeah. Uh, do you think? Do you, how do you feel about people saying that it's that the coronavirus is actually five G related? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think these people got too much fucking time on their hands, man. Well, that, to sit there and over to overlay a map on top of another map and go, look, the five G rollout looks like this. The corona outbreak looks like this. Well, no shit, Sherlock. They went with the most populated areas. <laughs> so, you know, deductive reasoning would dictate that all the most populated areas would also be the most populated areas that are going to get the 5G first. Yes. So, <laughs> so to now, to, to, rail, to re-rail this back to, like, uh, a show or something, the reason why everybody's so heated right now is because we've been trying for the literally the last half hour to have some sort of FaceTime uh, media uh, chat that just wouldn't connect. And um, it's it worked last time, and it just all of a sudden it's not working, of course, when everything matters. So now... Uh, it might have, it, you might have hit your bandwidth. And, uh, oh, and no, they just no. said, hey, you know, we're going to... We're going to shut him off. We just started. This podcast in... is too much. No, no. Well, it's not going live. I mean, so it's, it doesn't really take really bandwidth. The only There is no bandwidth because it's all being recorded through my computer and then I put it live later. Uh, so, right. yeah. No, and I, yeah. I, I mean, whatever, dude. But anyway, so we're talking to Joe Martinez. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Ah, I'm a ghost. <laughs> oh, every everybody's a comedian. <laughs> I know. I, you know what? I am a uh, a, a prop maker, prop shop, special effects guy. I uh, I work in the entertainment business. I love my job. I love my friends. I live in Burbank, and uh, you know, I make I make the magic happen that you watch on TV. Yeah, right. And uh, so how did you get started in this business? You don't have to, you know, I mean, yeah, what? like how long have you been doing I, this? I've been doing this for the better half of 20 some odd years. How did you, uh, uh, how did you get it hooked into this? 
I basically forced Gump my way into this. I uh, <laughs> explain. I, I, I was I was an artist and a journalism major. Okay, and uh, I came out here on a on a on a whim with a guitar and an amplifier and a pair of spandex, thinking I was going to be a rock and roll star. And uh, I get out here, and I got four job offers. Uh, and I and I ended up starting work as a designer and a and an art director. Oh, nice! And so non union, I assume. Uh, yeah. I mean, I worked at a union shop, but you know how you know the wiggle is always the wiggle. But uh, I was there, and I'm an art director at a company. And this effects uh, guy walks in, and he's got this giant Altoid box, and he's like, "Hey, man, I need to put, I need to make this look like like an Altoid tin." And I'm like, yeah, just leave it there. I'll take care of it. And I looked at the graphics, and I did some graphics and airbrushed it. And I said, yeah, I called him a day and a half, two days later. I said, hey, man, it's just ready. And he came over and looked at it and was just loving it. And he said, hey, man, you want to come see the shop? And I said, sure. And I went and looked at the shop, and he offered me a job. So, you know, he said, you want to do effects? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. He said, man, we could use something like you. so I looked at it and about, I don't know, I had a great job making good money. Then my boss annoyed me and he was a lying scumbag, uh, <laughs> as most of them are. And um, next thing you know, I called him up and just a weird coincidence, he asked me to do something. And I said, yeah. Next thing you know, I'm working at the effects shop. Nice. So, What was, uh, your, was your first big job? My first big job? Yeah, like your first job where you're like, holy shit, this is like, I'm, I made it to Hollywood. So, uh, basically, you're sitting there with a bunch of friends and you're watching the Super Bowl. And you see the beginning of it because, you know, every one of us knows our, our work. And then all of a sudden, right before, you just kind of look at it and go, everyone's tripping out and they're laughing and giggling. And then all of a sudden, you kind of have that moment where you matter. You did something that matters. That's worldwide, globally, they your work. And that's when you kind of, it kind of hits you. That's when you know that yeah. you arrived in Hollywood, you know? Yeah. The, the very first job I did, I mean, I don't know if I'll save this story for, there's, I was, I'm going to interview the, uh, person who actually got me into this business uh, i'll probably do that tomorrow or something but um the very first job i did was a td ameritrade i don't think they're even called that anymore they like change their name because the financial companies they always merge but uh right. it, sam waterston was the talent and it was like a 21 day job and uh holy shit and yeah and it was like we worked monday through saturday I, it was like 16 hour days. Um, I was in the office and I was also like picking up props. I was also coordinating, calling all the prop houses and I even was on set and that was kind of interesting to me. So they, it was a pretty hard job and, uh, once, and then like there was a lead man on the job and, and he brought me in to like every other job that he was doing. So like it just never stopped. So he 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 was a lead man who actually was also an art director, prop master. You know, this this town is crazy when you think about it because you 
Look, I love Hollywood. I'm one of the guys that I looked at the odds, went, fuck, I can do it, you know? And then I come out here and, you know, it's, man, I've, I've forced gump, tripped, fumbled, stood up in the mud and turned around and they washed me off and I'm on camera. And next thing you know, you're like, dude, this place is great. It's amazing. What we work on Monday shows up next week on TV and then people buy the products and people look at stuff and go, wow. And the more you do, the more you enjoy it. Yeah. The- you get hooked. You know, it, when you think of uh, the song Hotel California, it absolutely describes what happens in the blink of an eye here in Los Angeles. Um, because, you know, you can check out anytime you want. You can go anywhere. But you can never leave this place once yeah. you're part of it. Yeah, it, well, what's it, funny it is a lot, of, a lot of people it, that I know that grew up here, they ended up having to leave because it was just so expensive. <laughs> But they don't want to leave. That's what, like you said, they, they they checked out, but they they they're still Californians, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and seeing the thing, it's I guess the other thing that's pretty magical about this place is that you you watch TV and you go, oh, that's Kawanga. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's the corner of Victory and Burbank, man. Yeah. I know where that is. That's not you know. Wilmington, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I love it. I, I, I think, you know, I, I think it's, it, the DNA of Los Angeles has intertwined in the mind yeah. and now I'm a part of it and every, every Super Bowl, there's something I've done over the last 10 or 15, maybe 18 years. I've done something for a Super Bowl commercial. I've the biggest, some of the biggest shows now ever. And it's a it's a very amazing monument, you know, to to hard work and dedication and keeping your nose clean and yeah. and focused on the goal. Didn't you Didn't you work on uh, on Star Wars? I worked on the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian TV series. Yeah, I haven't seen it. It's on my. Li- I don't have Disney Plus. I, I feel kind of bad because I worked for- seven bucks. No, I know. <laughs> I know, and I work for Disney, so sort of, you know. Dude, I, you got AT and T, right? No, I don't have AT and T. I have T Mobile. That's probably you're going to say that's probably why we couldn't connect on FaceTime. No, I'm not going to say that. You already said it. Yeah, but anyways, uh, uh, how did, so? What did you make on the Mandalorian? How did it come no, to that? No, no, what? no. What did you? Uh, what did you? Uh, what, like when you turn on the TV and you said you saw your stuff. Like what did you? What did you do on the Mandalorian? I was the prop shop. There was only three of us in the prop shop, and I made. I was the. I was the armorer. I did the work on the weapons, the blasters. Oh, nice. So, so. Oh, so you said they were plaster. <laughs> The blasters, the oh, the, the, blasters. Guns, the wagons. Oh, so how did, how were they? If you don't mind, is I don't know if it's a trade secret, but how how did you make them? Well, they they gave me real guns, and then I made rendered them safe, and then from there we cut barrels off and did cool movie stuff to it, and turned them into blasters. Oh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, they were actually functional firearms, and then you actually turned them not into uh, firearms. 
Right. And many oh. of them were. Yeah, they wanted real heavy, functional, you know. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the pictures of the show, and it looks really cool. Oh, I lost you. What? I said I took I uh, I seen a lot of pictures like from the uh, like still photos of the show and it looks pretty amazing. It was an honor to work on it. It was. Uh, Are you big a Star uh, Wars fan? Oh yeah. Oh, more yeah. than more than Star Trek. <laughs> oh yeah, Star Trek is yeah Star boring. Uh, Star Wars is a lot. It's 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 a. Uh, it's kind of like the Knights of the Round Table, King Arthur, but in space. So there's, you know, there's chivalry. You're kind of a foam specialist, right? Uh, that's just one of my. That's one of my tools. That's one of the things that I do is being a sculptor. I'm also a 755 sculptor. Oh, so 755 is the IATSE union. It's not IATSE. It's that's actually not IATSE. an. Old it's an older union, but it's basically 755 plasters and, uh, and yeah, plasters. But I'm, I'm, I'm uh, a, a union sculptor. Nice. And I'm also 44 prop shop. Well, yeah, so. I do know that. I saw you at the meeting. <laughs> yeah, I'm always at the meetings. Yeah. The old, you know what's super funny is every time that they have meetings, there's, I'm like, they, I'm working on like a commercial or something. And I feel like a lot of these production companies do things during the meeting so that people don't go and do quorums. Uh, that's an interesting, uh, take on it. And I would say, to be quite honest, force the, the, the union to go fuck off. I'm going to the meeting and, yeah. and then go fuck themselves. Cause you, we need you there. I know. Um, I, I've been. I always try to go because I'd love to actually make the quorum actually happen. It just never happens. You know, I I get to go to the special effects meetings, the the smaller craft meetings that we have, and special effects always has a quorum. And I see the power of the quorum in the special effects craft because if someone says there's a problem and they start looking at the problem once we identify the problem everyone ships in for the solution and then they they write the solution and everyone follows it and everyone obeys it and everyone's a part of it 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 matters and uh and i think you know set dressers forgive me if i say this are lost in moving stuff around and prop prop masters are lost in making deals with prop shops versus or prop rentals versus looking at at it from a union standpoint there's a lot of commercial guys that are 44 that have never been to a meeting they don't care they jump crafts they they do work outside of their discipline and that's a problem a prop a prop master should not operate a, a fog machine or a fog machine or a, an atmosphere they should operate fans that's not their job. That's not their job. They're taking away a job from another craft. But believe me, if, if a, a, a special effects guy was to go over there and start doing props and propping a show, every prop master would come out of the woodwork screaming and hollering, that's not your job. I actually got offered a, a prop master job where I'd basically just be handing cream to some supermodel. And, and then I got a call 
saying, oh, yeah, we ran you and you're not uh, a prop master. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I told them and they said it would be fine. <laughs> I didn't well, know. Because it, was... it, 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 it matters. But see, that in the commercial world, they run, they run it. They run it how they see fit, and if they don't get caught, they don't care. It's almost like all the gazelles running by the lion. The well, yeah. lion can only catch. The lion can only catch one. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't know it was a union job because somebody asked me if I wanted to prop, and I said I'm not a prop master, and they said it didn't matter, and I said, oh, okay, so it must not be union, because I don't want to. I don't try to step over any lines. I will say, in the commercial world, though, they seem to not give a fuck about special effects for sure. Like they'll they'll let anybody. They'll let a PA run a smoker. And, and and until someone gets hurt or until something goes drastically wrong, um, they're gonna they're gonna get away with it because there's just too many commercial stuff that skirts the line of truth. And to be honest, I kind of got away from all the commercials because they're a bunch of dirty guys, they're a bunch of scumbags, and yeah. they hurt they hurt our collective bargaining yeah. when they do shit like that. I've walked on a show. And they wanted a rig. They wanted to throw laptops for this thing. And I rigged it all the rigging. They wanted me to just make fake ones. And I did. And then all of a sudden I get on set for the rigging. And there's fog machines there. And there's winds. And, and I just looked down. I go, someone said, hey, man, all the wind and smokers are here. You know, what do you want? And I go, what the fuck are they doing here? And I walk over. And then the UPM and the produ producer and all the different guys, I go, what the fuck is this? And nobody would stand up to it. And I just looked over and said right off the bat, this is a fucking violation, man. And they walked over, Joe, let's, uh, let's go over here and talk for a second. I go, dude, I have no problem dropping a dime and, and, and grieving your ass right fucking now. This is bullshit. And then, of course, the, the prop master's like, hey, um, you know, let's just talk about this. What the fuck? What are you going to do? If, if no one does anything. You know, that's the problem because... They can skirt by, and until our union really jumps their shit and starts finding these people, it's not going to change. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> um, you know, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of people that I feel like they're the reason why commercial people are afraid is because they make like decent money. They make a little more money than TV or movies, and they're afraid that they're going to lose. You know a lot of work from it but then at the same time then they're also getting killed like they they work like three times as hard you know well they're getting peeled okay yeah. you know they're getting peeled but th i had this conversation with with another uh he was a set he was a set dresser who was doing props as a prop master so he was building this kit and i'm there running a construction crew building the set and um, so I had my four guys. Now, all of my guys were special effects. Everyone on my team was special effects. I had one hall call because I, I just needed another body. Um, and all of a sudden, one of my guys said, Joe, what's that guy doing with a smoke machine? Well, he had a backpack rigged up as a smoker and all kinds of crazy jet pack looking thing. And um, I look over and I'm like, what the hell is that? Then they got atmosphere over in the corner and someone just turned it on and walked away yeah right <laughs> all, all these things are going on and i kind of made a phone call and i called paul and i gave him the information they came over all of us 
And then Toby shows up and took a walk around and looked, and everyone everyone puckered on the prop team because they knew they were in the wrong. I mean, here's production was running around, scurrying around. When it all came down, I ended up staying to see effects, okay? getting effects rate, watching over that. And I just said, look, if you want me to just sit back, you think you got it handled, handle it. So I talked to him at lunch, and I said, listen, you're a prop master. All you got to do is do the props. They're paying you an extra 100 bucks to do effects. So you go on, you rent the stuff, and you bring it here, and you set it all up. Do you realize that you're doing your job plus another job for free? You're not even, dude, that's two people's job. Instead of hiring another guy like me to do that, they, they just put it on you. And think of the liability. What if something went wrong? You're not an effects guy. <laughs> you have no idea how these things work. You want to light candles? <laughs> do you have a, th- a pyro card? No, you don't. All of a sudden, it becomes a liability issue. And that's why the producers had to agree to it to have an effects guy because someone's got to be liable in case there's an accident. But these prop masters are greedy. For an extra 100 bucks, they'll throw anyone else over under the bus. <laughs> so <laughs> if you think about it like that, they're doing two people's worth of work for an extra 100 bucks. So you let's talk about this. You are a sculptor. You were an art director. So uh, what made you do effects? How did you get involved in that, and how did you get in the union for that? Uh, well, effects, if I could be so bold, if I could say it as, as, as cleanly and, and, dude, I get paid to play with fire, things that go boom, and make people go wow. And I get paid for it. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, if I'm going to have a job in this movie business, I damn sure well, <laughs> would rather do that. How did you get into it, though? Like, who brought you into the effects world? Well, it was it was that art director. I mean, that that special effects guy that offered me a job in the. Uh, oh, that was the guy. That was the guy. And then when I worked at an effects shop, you know, effects shops have the ability to hire non-union. They just work at the shop. But it was great because I studied and I learned all these techniques and all these tricks and all this stuff. Mind you, as a non-union effects guy, it was different. You you're making molds one day. You're making smoke the next day. You're breaking things on a on a set the following day and then you're cutting a car in half and you're smashing windows it's it's a pretty amazing job for a a 20 something guy um because everybody would you do what yeah i did that show or i did that effect or we crashed that car or you know there's not a lot of effects there's not a lot of effects guys left are are there no there's not that's the other thing too it's a probability issue meaning there's 2,400 set dressers. So if you're not working out, you can be dropped and someone else will be in your place and they're there. They can replace you really quick. There's about 120, 130 effects guys, card-holding effects guys. How many? So about 130. Yeah, that's not a lot. And That's not a lot. So the odds are, even if you don't like me, at some point, you're still going to have to hire me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and and it's also doing a good job. If if you know, because we also can make the biggest mistakes 
and fail the most, we have the most probability of failure. We can get people hurt. We can get people killed. We can set things on fire that we didn't plan on setting on fire. <laughs> when you first got out here and you said you, you were, you had your spandex and your guitar, did you get into a band pretty quickly or did you know anybody out here? I didn't know a soul. Well, I, I didn't know a soul directly. It was my, my, I, I'll tell you the story. Be a movie, uh, or at least the scene in a movie, but, Basically, it was in a, in a little know-nothing band in Houston, Texas, and I'm from Huntsville, so it's a, I'm outside. I'm 50, 60 miles north of Houston, so and I'm in college, and and uh, and we ended up doing some big shows there, and opened for Ace Freely, and did some other things there at the the little at the Houston, you know, rock scene. And then all of a sudden, my buddy goes. He was dating a stripper. <laughs> He's like, "Hey, uh, she wants to go to L.A. Her friend needs a roommate." Why, you know, she wants to move, so you want to ride with me and help drive? Sure, I got I got a few times off. So we get stuff loaded in the truck. We drive all the way out to L.A., and, um, and that's kind of crazy, but we get here, and I did the last leg, so I, I ended up falling asleep and, st- and slept in. They got up and left and went tooling around, Los Angeles while I slept. And then back then there was a cool thing called the fax machine. So I made friends with the, with the Ahmed, the guy down at the, at the hotel. And I used this fax machine and faxed my resume. I pulled a, a yellow pages out of the yellow pages and I emailed or emailed faxed my resume to Warner brothers and Disney and, and universal and all the studios just thinking what the hell, right? Mm-hmm. And then I get a phone call. I call my dad, like maybe four or five hours later, just to check in. And he's like, "Son, I don't know what you're doing over there, but I got some phone calls from some people, and it's so and so at Disney and so and so at Warner Brothers." And and uh, so I quickly jotted them down and called them back, and I got a job interviews. So within a day, I had already four job interviews and a job offer. In, so, in the film business, in the well, in the in the, I guess it would be the art designer business because yeah. I had I had learned how to use these fancy machines called processors, where you would take the film and you would slip them in and put them in the darkroom side, and it would come out in the art department side, completely dry and ready to go. So when I get here. I happen to know some of the new latest state-of-the-art equipment out there. So it was kind of like they walked in, looked around, and walked back in, and they came back out and went, are you Joe? And I'm like, yes, sir. And they're like, gee, I expected someone older. Hey, uh, and, <laughs> and you were you were living with the stripper at this time? No, my, my, no this was literally the first week. I oh. got a cab, and Abby took me to the, to the interviews. But we dropped her shit off. And she was going to live with this one girl. And uh, I just went, dude, we got to come back. I had a job offer. And at the time, I mean, the money was insane compared to what I was making back home. Mm. So we packed up the truck, gassed up, and we drove back. We dropped off some of our stuff. And we came back to Texas. And I basically shut down Texas and and said, in 10 days, I got a job. Nice. So, yeah, when I got home, I was like, 
He's like, how'd it go? And I went, man, I got to go to L.A. And he's like, are you out of your damn mind? And I was like, no, I got a, a letter of intent and a job offer. And he looked at it, and his old cowboy ways were like, well, boy, I guess we got to get you packed and ready for Los Angeles. This is great money. Wow, yeah. So I, I, I left nine days later. I left for, for L.A. And, and, you know, never looked back. That's awesome, dude. Um, you know. Yeah, now I'll throw this one weird thing. My address in in Huntsville was sixteen hundred Sycamore. Yeah. The very next morning that I got that we got to that place was on the corner of sixteen hundred Sycamore Hollywood. So that's kind of how weird. I thought it was a sign that. My whole time growing up, it was 1600 Sycamore, and then I get to Los Angeles, and the very first apartment is on the corner of 1600 Sycamore. Hmm. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's really weird, man. So, uh, but, well, when you when you started working doing that art design uh, or uh, art director thing, did you uh, were you doing music on the side? My 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 band basically gave up and left. They couldn't find a job. They couldn't figure it out, and they left. So I was left here a week after I arrived, you know, and then I ended up staying with the girl <laughs> that, that the stripper was going to live with. I stayed with her for the first, I don't know, six months. Uh, when you were out here uh, playing music, you said you did not have a band? No, not when I officially, once, because I mean, I came out here with a band, but they left me here. So then I, then I was a kind of a hired gun. I would just work things out and go audition and talk to folks. And I met a lot of people. Everyone was trying to be something. It was a different time zone mentally and emotionally because music was a big thing. Going to the Sunset Strip and, and seeing everyone with their, you know, everyone wanted to look nice. They got their hair done. They got, you know, some of them went a little wild and some of them went a little cool. And, you know, people would perform and, they would fly her to the strip and get people to go up to the shows and yeah. rock stars and hot babes. Yeah, I, uh, I used to go out to Hollywood a lot. Uh, I was just telling, man, it was like, I used to play shows. And uh, oh, I was telling my buddy Mario. He uh, he actually came on the show once, and uh, I was telling him how I played at the Coconut Teaser, the Dragonfly. Uh, I played at a whole bunch of places when I was in school, like in uh, like junior high. <laughs> Did you ever play at the Coconut Teaser? Oh yeah, I played Teaser. I played Gazaris. Oh, uh, my dad played Gazaris. Played all the ones. Yeah, it's it was such a different time frame. The respect factor for the people then was different. Yeah, you know, you kind of if you were a dick, then they would think you were a dick, whether you were good or not. You were a dick, but if you were cool. They kind of rooted for you. Everybody kind of rooted for each other. And then there was the one-upmanship where everybody, everyone wanted to be the next gunslinger. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that kind of ruined a little bit because it wasn't about the music anymore. It was more about being a show-off and being a, a gunslinger. But then, you know, I always said way back when, look, man, some of the greatest songs were never written by the greatest guitar players. They were written by marginal guitar players. They just wrote a great song. Um, the only people that gave a shit about solos were people <laughs> that played solos. <laughs> so it's true. Music, music is a, a dynamic. Um, 
you know, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the scene is the way I kind of look at it. I enjoyed the scene. It was, it was a really great time for music. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I loved, uh, I kind of grew up on the eighties. Uh, although my dad sprinkled in like Led Zeppelin and a bunch of other stuff, but, uh, I ended up becoming kind of a product of the nineties. Cause, uh, when Kurt Cobain died, my buddy, he started bringing a guitar to school. And so I, I, I was like, I want to play guitar. I like what happens when he plays. So uh, I, I, I'm kind of more of a nineties fella but when i was in high school for some reason i mean i got into ingve momstein and i kind of hit the 80s metal scene hard when i was like 14 well he, he's he, he's an exceptional he's an exceptional exception oh yeah <laughs> uh he's I, a brilliant musician but you know his his uh manner wasn't exactly the most you know he wasn't exactly a nice guy no he's a diva you know yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but I, I kind of liked. There's a lot of like something like legato, and also just the picking, like the quick, the alternate picking, and so he did a lot of really cool things, and he had a lot of showmanship. So I kind of dug him. Oh yeah, I am a violinist. Still a, a brilliant, you know, great tune. I, I was, I was really into Dawkins back in those days, and I loved. And there's a band called Icon um, that was that was really good. But there were so many guys that when you're here, then all of a sudden you kind of meet everybody. I was a lot. I was really into Rat and uh, of course the crew. But then you know you kind of trip out a little bit when you hang out with these guys and then you play with these guys. And then you know I built a lot of guitars back in those days. Uh, I worked for Performance Guitar Center as one of their their airbrush guys. Um, I made a, I made a guitar for Prince <laughs> back then. What? Yeah, I built I built a yellow guitar for Prince. Oh, I got a phone call. I'd done some airbrushing stuff, and and I got a phone call from Performance Guitar Center, and they had a client that had this yellow guitar, and they needed to put this symbol on it. I didn't know at the time he would change his name to that symbol, but I airbrushed that that guitar into the guitar. I airbrushed that guitar with that symbol. And then about five months later, maybe six months later, the guitar came back and he wanted Romeo written on the, on the back of it or on the back side of it. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't remember where, but I, cause back then we didn't have phones or anything to take a quick picture. So I airbrushed that. We sealed it. And did I lose you again? No, I'm here, or baby. Somebody. I'm here. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, but that I found out later that was for Prince, and he had ordered a custom guitar to be made, and it was yellow with with purple purple symbol. That's pretty awesome, dude. Yeah, we did. We uh, so I work on Blackish, and we actually did a a big Prince episode episode to talk about how influential he was. Oh, and, he was he was yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, every character, every character on Black is dressed like a, a different era of Prince or a different iconic Prince vi music video. Nice. It's you know these are little things. I, I you know the crazy thing is is that I was a witness to a lot of rock and roll history. Yeah. Um, you know I was backstage when when uh, the fight between 
the Guns N' Roses and the Motley Crue guys happened, yeah. and they started swinging punches. I was right there. I literally two feet, three feet away. Uh, I've been to some of their houses. I've partied with some of these people. Um, whose fault was then, it? Whose, whose fault was yeah, it? Yeah, who started it? I don't know who started it, but you got to remember back then you talked shit, and everybody always talked shit. Everyone would call each other names, and sometimes it was taken well, and other times it was taken not so well. Yeah. Because it, You'd see someone go, what's up, dude? What's up? Now it's, it back, now it's what's up, dude. Back then it was like you'd call each other names. Yeah. I don't know if it's socially correct to even say it now, but you would, nah. you would call each other names. Hey, fuck face. What's up? Oh, you could say what's that. Yeah. And it would call you, you remember that was how the culture was. Everyone would just call each other names, and then you'd give them a hug or a, or a, a, a bro bump or something, just kind of what's up. And then you'd no big deal, but sometimes... If you're talking to the wrong girl at the right time for the wrong reason, <laughs> yeah. people are going to get sore. Whether you whether you were dating her or not, whether you fucked her in the past or not, whether you know it doesn't matter. If you talk to her, someone's going to get all jelly and sore and pissed off and angry, and and shit's going to go down. You put enough beers in the mix. Uh, how did you? Re- uh- when the 90s grunge era came over, I know there's a lot of guys in the 80s that they just didn't really care for it or they didn't really uh, like it because they, they said it was kind of whiny. How did you take it when, when grunge kind of exploded? Well, see, this comes back to being a witness to history. I, I saw the first Nirvana show here in Los Angeles at uh, at Ricky Rapp's, uh cat house. And... It was terrible. They were <laughs> a bunch of smelly, drugged out, stupid fucking jerk offs that showed up from Seattle and played a band. You know, played a show, and everyone's like, "Dude, they fucking smell." They don't need to shower in the past three days. They all stink, and we're like, you know, pretty bunch of pretty boys with. They look like shit. I was like, it, yeah, it was just terrible. And then to come to find out, well, it means part of their drug culture. And drug addict, drug losers that you know are suicidal. So, <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah, did we like it? Fuck no! It was a bunch of garbage. Three chords and a, and a sad story. You know. So on a side note, um, how has coronavirus affected you? Oh, completely shut down. Yeah, what, 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 what were you on? Um, I was on. Well, I was on three different shows, but it was more of, uh, I had just got through doing some stunt work on a show called Old Man. I built some stunt breakaway props, and then I worked on another show, and I can't say anything more about that. Yeah, of course. um, I had basically booked two or three different show worth of work. I was also on... uh, Danger Force, the new Henry Danger yep. spinoff. Yeah, I, who, who's the star? Who's the star of that show? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I know I know his face, I know his name, but I don't. Bad, I bad don't. Joe. No, he said, yeah. Um, I was I was supposed to go to Japan on the twenty seventh, and then I was in talks with Jackass Four about being their head art guy. Oh, nice. Well, but then that went away, so. <laughs> of course. Uh, dude, I got the email within one day 
literally, we're, we're going to push. Um, we'll let you know as soon as we know. And I'm like, here's designs, drawings, sketches, bids, the whole nine yards. And now there's a push. What, so, so was that the day that you knew that this shit was getting real? That was what? Getting serious? When did when did when did you have like the sudden realization like holy fuck this thing's pretty insane? March seventh. Wow. So March sixth yeah. was the last day of Blackish, and we had our uh, rap party the next week, and it was a Wednesday, and we were we all they, we had a letter saying hey I know we all hug and stuff but nobody hug here. Uh, because people may not be inclined to. So we showed up and we were all kicking feet and everybody, it was like not a lot of people showed up as much as they used to. It was like probably right. half as many people. Uh, and I was on a commercial and literally the next day is when we, I started seeing in the, in, on the news, uh, Warner Brothers shut down, Universal shut down, and then everything was shutting down right as I was on this job. And I was like, I hope these fuckers pay me. <laughs> You know? Yeah, well, yeah. There's that. Well, yeah. Look, it, I knew it was serious because I left on the first for Virginia, and it was a, a Valentine's gift. So we went to Virginia. The girl and I went to Virginia. I was buying a sixty-eight, a sixty-nine Z twenty-eight Camaro. You're so. Okay. <laughs> you would. Those are great, though. I love. Those. They have a nice engine. Is that an LS uh, LS one? It, it uh, this one had a 350. Um, yeah, well, yeah, but is, is there's like a 350, that. and then they usually there's a the Z28s have a uh, sometimes they'll have an LS1 uh, engine is by Chevy. Right. Yeah. This one. This one had gone. Had been, I, well, I, I want to say it's a tribute, meaning that it's it was a, a normal regular Z28, and they had doctored it up and did some fun things, but it looked normal. It was just badass. What, what year was Black it? Black with white race. 69 Z28. Wow. Oh, 69. Never mind. The 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 69s were, the LS1s are a modern engine. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, what what color so, was it? Black with white racing stripes. Oh, nice. I'll send you a picture. It was insane. So, I went to Virginia to take a look at the car. Oh, man. So, we flew out went LAX to I don't know, Chicago, or I don't remember where we landed, but we finally got to Virginia, and we stayed in this old cabin, a hundred, oh, no, actually, it was it was built in 1770 or something like that, 1760, 1750, and it was an original log cabin from that time period, little bed and breakfast now, and we stayed there for the first night, then drove over, saw the car, talked to the owner, had a real good talk, had dinner, all that fun stuff. And then the next day, we uh, went to the Trump Winery up near uh, the Jefferson Monticello hmm. uh, in, there in Virginia. So it was like this crazy little fun little trip, and it was four or five days of really everything was cool. But everyone was kind of tripping out about the corona. And, you know, we did everything. We wore what we had to wear and disinfected my little wipes and the whole nine yards. And when I got back, I was prepping, doing bids, and everything started to go sideways. Oh, no. And I knew then, I was like, this is fucking stupid. And then all of a sudden, it just started exploding. <laughs> you get the email, this is going to push. Okay, thanks. 
And then the next job, oh, this one's going to push. And, oh, I know we asked you to build this, but I think we're going to push on this, too. And I'm like, what? When are we coming back? No word. No answer. No reply. Are you, are, <laughs> like, you, uh, oh, are you putting any money in the stock market? Am I playing the stock market right now? Like, have you put have you put any money into the into the stock market? Not yet. I'm waiting for the bottom to fall out. I who but who? Yeah, I, 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 I put some. I put some money now. Like it's like everything's at like ten. Like American Airlines is at ten bucks. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I what I'm I I guess I'll make an an announcement. I just bought an effects trailer. I bought two effects trailers. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he just bought them, and, and then the whole goddamn world ends. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. And you're wondering why I'm still smiling. Uh, that's uh, I look at that as another Forrest Gump moment. I'm, I'm going to be out at the looking for shrimp. When the whole goddamn well, hurricane hit, at least you'll be able to do you'll yeah, you'll be able to do anything, <laughs> right? For any for anybody, but no, I bought a I bought a trailer, a full effects package, and I bought a, a complete rain package, so I can, you know, I I threw a lot of money down on a trailer and all the equipment and everything, smokers, the foggers, the well, blood hits, the blood pack, you were re- course, you, everything. You were ready for that because you were about to be really busy. Well, and it was also he had retired. He was he's a pretty famous effects guy, and um, he'd done some pretty big stuff. And uh, he he was ready. He retired in August, and his wife saw my sticker on his board and sent me an email and said, "Hey, I'm trying to get him to get off the fence and sell his equipment. Are you interested?" And I went, "Yeah, I'll take a peek." And then I went and looked at it, and it was just one of those brilliant looks at, and just went. <gasps> Okay, fuck the Camaro. I got to buy this. <laughs> so, so my Camaro got on the hole, got pushed, and I bought I bought the two trailers and all the equipment and everything, lock, stock, and barrel. That's awesome, dude. Everything. I mean, it's awesome. It sucks that you like horrendous timing, but at the same token, you got it now, and it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, look, I I have every confidence in the world that this will be worked out. Yeah, I, do I know too. that. It, I, I look. Trump's a dingbat and pretty much sticks his foot in his mouth. But you know what? He's got a lot of good, competent people around. And even though people hate on him so much that they can't see the the common sense of this, and that is, every single country got sidewinded by this Corona thing. Okay, everyone. There's no no right can do when you found out. You know what I mean? If you were exhaling when you got hit, you're in deep shit. If you were inhaling when you got hit. You're in deeper shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's you know, just everyone stay the fuck home. Let's not get any more people sick. There's no way because nobody can withstand not getting a paycheck for a week or two weeks or a month. Or, There's a lot of people. God forbid three months. A lot of people are living paycheck no. to paycheck. <laughs> yeah. it's there's No one can, can predict this. There's no way to. Fix this. So let me Easily. ask you this: you've been you've been staying home. Yeah. How uh, how often do you go to the supermarket? Um, at the beginning, I was going every day looking for different things that we would need. Oh, when um, shit was go- running out, you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty kid. I've got an earthquake kit. I've got I got prepper skills. 
<laughs> I got mad prepper skills. Um, but I had already looked at, well, I'm not going to wait for toilet paper. So I, I made an order, you know, online and, and had a medical supply company send me, you know, two cases of, of, of toilet paper. And, you know, uh, I, I bought stuff that I know would keep in the, in the cupboard and I, I canned goods and all, all that stuff I already had. So yeah. it's just, I'm rotating stuff. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I was going out and buying a couple cans of things and everybody was like buying like the wrong shit, you know, thank God. <laughs> and I, I just, I was shopping, yeah, I was shopping all calm and I, I got some tuna and I got some canned chicken and, uh, and I, I was shopping for me cause I've been eating healthy, you know, and like all the veggies right. were there. Everything was there. The only thing that wasn't there was chicken, like, from the shelf, and then there was no paper. Like, the toilet paper, napkins, that blew me away. I was just like, I don't fucking get any of that, you know? Uh, look, man, uh, you're absolutely right. I don't get it either, but I do know this. And I, and I guess from this perspective, right now, the girl and I don't come out for no reason. The only thing I have to do is check my P.O. box. You know, um, but I take all the precautions. But what I have noticed is that when we cook a meal, whether it's, you know, a chicken or a steak or this or that, we make everything out of it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Know? And the next day, leftovers, We or the, that evening, we do leftovers. We There's not a single bit of waste in, oh, yeah. in what we're doing, how we're doing it. Yeah, we do the same thing. We've been keep doing uh, cooking all the meat because my buddy gave me a bunch of fish from some fishing trip. Uh, I don't know if I said this on the last podcast I did, but uh, so we my uh, Jen's mom brought over a rotisserie chicken, and I just cut it in pieces and I took all the meat off, and then we took the bones and we made chicken stock. Oh yeah, and then I, I just yeah. I did that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and then. We, every time I've been eating a ton of vegetables, like, you know, so I eat a lot of onion, so I, there's always leftover onion pieces and we've just been saving them and we throw that in the chicken stock when we cook it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the one good thing that I've it. And, and at the same time, I also, I see more good in people now than I do bad. Yeah, there's a lot of good. There's a, there's a lot of good out there. Uh, the the worst was the beginning, and that you saw all the idiots. And the, but there's a lot of good in between them. Yeah, and the only thing that I see now that's really unattractive and really disgusting is all the 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 freaking glove ground just everywhere, littered everywhere. It's it's, it's it really pisses me off because I I have a Ziploc. I love Ziplocs. For me. I will buy stock in Ziploc because all you have to do is have a Ziploc in the car. And when you're done with the, with the rubber glove, just put them inside out. Nothing's going to touch you. And you stick it in the Ziploc, zip it up. You ain't got to mess with it. It's done. Yeah, there's also somebody that, that was saying you can get uh, dog shit bags and you can just put them. If you go to the gas station so you don't have to waste a glove, you can just use a doggy baggie. Well, true. But, but you could also take that, that uh, rubber glove and... And wipe, wipe the rubber glove with a Lysol wipe, and put the Lysol wipe in a little doggy bag or a little yeah. ziplock well, or something. Like that. I, I've just I've been using gloves if I do stuff that are more is more like detailed. But if I do something kind of simple, I try not to waste them because I, I have like I have like two hundred nitrile gloves from that I got at Home Depot. Yeah, 
Well, they're running out. I mean, she's she's a hairdresser, so she's she uses gloves a lot. So she had stock. Um, right now, the 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 city shut her down. Obviously, yeah. they she got the letter and said, "Don't open, stay closed," because of the the close contact with people. Um, so what she's been doing is making uh, hairdresser kits. So if because everyone's got different color, and let's just be honest, some of these ladies have to have their color every three weeks or they start showing the skunk stripes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and uh, believe me, <laughs> don't fuck with a lady that needs her hair done because she's mad. A lot of people and, uh, are going to start looking like shit. Oh, yeah. So she makes these little kits and she's got your formula. So you call and say, hey, I need this kit. And she'll make a little touch-up kit so you can do your roots. And give you a brush, a pair of gloves, a glopper to be there on FaceTime or be there on, on the phone and walk them through the mixing and the applying of it. Nice. And, um, yeah, so she's been doing her part to keep people at home. <laughs> yeah, well, that's really smart. See, I've, I've, been, I've been trying to ask, like, people's different ways that they've been creative in, like, keeping their small businesses going, you know? Well, it, you know, I've also spoken to the banks about the small business loans and boy talk about a weaving mess of crazy regulations and silly um clauses you know if you can if you can if you have a small business and you actually qualify for a loan you can't get any of this disaster relief you just have to apply for a loan and get it from the sba or get it from your bank through the sba but there's so many different clauses, so many different things. You just can't say, oh, I'll get free money. There's no free anything. No, You're going to pay for free. it. You know, you know, something that's really hard, too, is, uh, so, like, my mom, she, her business is she has, like, tenants. She has, like, a couple, like, four units, you know? Right. And so they allow the tenants to furlough or whatever the word, the, it's a moratorium on their rents, but they, they basically can push their uh, rents at, and they have like uh, up to from somewhere between six and 12 months to pay it back if they don't right. pay it. Luckily, like a lot of my tenants were able to either pull through and there's a few people that are ha like they they're in the film business or the entertainment and they, you know, they were laid off, you know, they gave right. me like partial rent and <clears throat> we're okay. Me, you know, my mom's going to be okay. She was panicking at first because she said, oh, everybody's going to be fine. I said, you watch. Just fucking wait, because they're telling them they don't have to pay, and they're and it's just human nature, you know. But they thought they thought that they were gonna not have to pay anything like at all, and I and then they and then the, the government's like, no, you're gonna have to pay it back. So I was like, the less you pay now, the more you'll have to pay later. So just pay what you can, and we'll make a deal. Like if everybody starts going to work, we're not gonna collect everything up front. We're gonna give you payments, you know. Well, it's it's common sense, and see, I think. You know, you and I make really good money, okay? Let's just cut to the chase. If we compare what we do to anyone in the in the common 48 states, we make great money Yeah. in comparison. Um, so we should be able to take, I call it the 25 plan, 25 to rent or mortgages, 25 for food and, and living expenses, 25 for saving, and 25 to buy stuff that you need, you know, important stuff, you know, payments or things that you need. And if you do that, you're going to have a little nest egg that you can fall back on. I'm lucky, but I'm also smart about my luck. <laughs> I'm not pushing the bad. I'm pushing the right attitude. And that is 
I've saved money. I put some money here. I put some money there. I've, I've got four vehicles I got to take care of. I got insurance. I got a bunch of shit going on. And buying this trailer, I mean, look, I was buying a sports car. And then I see a great deal for a business opportunity. I bought it, you know. But now what does, what does that mean? Well, I, I still got mortgages to pay. I still got a ranch to pay. I still got a cabin to pay. I still got mortgage. So uh, I hate to say it in this perspective, but if this thing goes for six months, I'll still be fine. I'm not going to be happy about it, but I can still pay my bills. I'm just, you know, cutting everything to the bone. I'm not throwing anything away. I'm not doing anything stupid. I'm just focused for the future. And I hope this thing gets over with quicker. Yeah, I absolutely do too. Because, you know, oh, like what I was saying too was uh, that when my mom called the mortgage company, they were like, oh, you have three months to pay, or to, to you can have three months until you have to pay, but then you owe everything <laughs> immediately. <laughs> it's, right, immediately. It's weird how it's different with like mortgages and rents, but it is what it is. And I, I had to bitch at my mom for like, years to save money and she always fought me on it she didn't really think she was fighting but she was and then uh, all of a sudden all this shit goes down and she's like you were right you were right and i was like yeah of course i was right I was like, yeah, well it's tough because if you think of it from the perspective of you made the money why can't you spend it you know um but at the same time it's being financially Responsible. It's being cognitive of what your duties are. If, if I'm, I'm just paying my mortgages and all my other bills, and I, I said I'm going to have to deal with it because I'm going to. I'm not, I don't want a balloon payment at the end of this. No. Well, Joe, uh, what's what's your what's your prediction for uh, when when do you think this is going to be done? So they said April nineteenth, and I know everybody's kind of pushing this to the end of April, and some people even say the end of May. What do you think? I've gotten some internal memos on some of the big, 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 big production companies, and what would they say? August. Holy shit! <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. There's, uh, I think it's a little. This is the worst week, let's say. Of, yeah, of they said this spots. and next week are supposed to be really bad. Right, we're lucky that it's a rainy, stormy, ugly kind of bunch of days this week, because I think that the water and people staying in is just going to help everyone kind of flatten the curve. Dude. On the other perspective, even if they said. Oh, we're clear next week at the beginning of the month, let's say. It's still going to take a month to ramp up. It's going to take another two weeks to get crew in. The people that were slated to work might be doing something else. And you're going to have to wiggle who's going to work and who's not going to work. And I'm just talking about our business. I'm not talking about the rest of society. Oh, yeah. Dude, you know what's really crazy, though? Uh, So... Me and the lady, we decided to, on the weekend, like, she's still working, but she's working from home, you know? Right. Yeah, but, uh, so on the weekend, I was like, why don't we just jump in the Corvette, man, and we'll just take a ride up the beach and just drive, and maybe we'll stop at some food place, pick something up, and eat on the side of the road. That sounds fair, right? Right. So, we because we've been eating at home a lot, and we try, we only go to the market, like, once a week if we can. So. Right. We go up Malibu, and all the beaches are pretty much shut down. Every so often, we'll see, like, 
a surfer and we're like, what if, you know, he's a piece of shit because they shut down the beaches. He shouldn't, like, if he does it, then other people are going to do it, right? Right. We get up to Malibu because we were like, hey, let's go to Neptune's Net. And we get to Neptune's Net and it is, it says no congregating. And the whole parking lot is a bunch of assholes congregating, dude. There's like this, some dude who had this, some old car and him and all his shit buddies are walking around it talking about the molding. And I'm like, you guys live together? Like, get the fuck away from each other. <laughs> you know? You know what? I, yeah. I, look, man. I, I didn't I say that. that. I didn't really say that. I didn't, no, I, you know? You're thinking it. You know, oh, like yeah. that one, that one surfer that got chased down by the shore patrol and got a arrested well he uh, are you talking about the thousand dollar one that guy no no there's another one he was a like a windsurfer or some oh. you know, paddle boarder and the boat the life uh the coast guard rolled in on his ass and <laughs> arrested him and they said you look it's it shut down we don't want you in the yeah. water well the thing and is when he, when we were up in malibu the, the, you know, there was already a thing in place where they said you should wear cotton masks and everybody should be wearing gloves. Nobody yeah. was wearing shit in Malibu. And across the street is a beach from Neptune's Net. It was packed. There was like a hundred surfers out there. Because it's, I, I think it's over the state lines of LA and, pe and they, people just don't care over there. Oh, Ventura, the Ventura County line? It's literally Mal like when Malibu starts. It says, I, I, it's like after Leo Carrillo. Oh, I see. I, you know what? Dude, this is where Darwin's theory of natural selection comes into play. <laughs> I guess. You, you know, know? the only thing that sucks is there's a lot of people that are going to get it that don't, that don't show symptoms, and they're going to fuck everybody. Sure. No, this is fucked. And, and, and the thing is... If if you think of a, a pandemic and you think of all the other bullshit that's going on in, in your society, let's say, you know, what what can you do? People are pretty disgusting animals in their own right. Because <laughs> there's, there's stuff that comes out of your eyes, nose, mouth. You breathe on people. I I get the heebie-jeebies when a, when a person is too close to me and they're talking. And I can feel their breath on my arm, and and you kind of go, uh, get off me, bro. <laughs> You're too close. But on the other end of the spectrum, okay, let's just say, hygiene is something that's not always practiced to your to your liking. We do certain things, and then you don't think about it. Then you look up and go, oh man, wait, did I just touch that? <laughs> now I'm rubbing my eyes. Fuck. And um, I, I think natural selection I take over some of these people. Like I see a bunch of Glendale people, the yeah. Armenian gang, the, the Armenian gangbangers that are running around being stupid, and they're sitting out there having their coffee and cigarettes and smoking and driving around in their little Toyota Celicas trying to be cool. And uh, and they're all you know. Look, you know what? If they all get it and they have problems, I ain't got one. Iota of sympathy. Fuck you. <laughs> that goes for everybody. That's right, Joe. I'm keeping, I'm, keeping my, I'm keeping my family as safe as can be. I hope all of my friends and my close ones are as protected as possible. If you call me and say, hey, man, I'm out of toilet paper, can you? I'll pull uh -huh. out of my stash and give you some. Thank you, if bro. you If you say, 
I'm I'm I, I'm short on some food, man, and I can't go to the store. I'm not feeling well. Stay right there. I'll be there in a minute, and I'll drop off some food at your door, and you come pick it up when I walk off, you know? But that's all we can do. And if everyone practices that little bit of kindness, that little bit of common sense, and kind of go, you know what, maybe they're full of shit, maybe they're taking it to the extreme, but I'm not going to take any chances. And, and no one's going to say they got sick because of me. That's, well, that's the way I look at that. That's how it should you be. Know? That's how it should be. But we know that most people are assholes. And they're inconsiderate, self, self-righteous, egotistical, self-entitled pricks. <laughs> uh, apply liberally uh, to whoever acts that way because that's, look, uh, sometimes you're, look, I'm sick of being in the house. Yeah, I can make jokes and laugh and giggle and we can make all kinds of inappropriate jokes. But at the end of the day, man, I, I want this thing over with. So if that means I sit here bored out of my skull doing lawn work and fixing the hydrangeas and working on her her flower bed and that's what i want to do for the next two weeks i hope that this thing gets done faster um i really want work to be kicked up yeah but i do know that it's not going to happen like that yeah it's going to be a slow uh, ease back into shit well anyways joe um i was going to say Hopefully, whenever we can hang out, we'll, uh, you, you'll have to come in person and do one of these podcasts. And, and because I, like, I would like to do like some gear uh, demos because I have a lot of cool little pedals and stuff. And I like to do it with people, you know. Dude, I, I have, what, 200 some odd, 200 and change of guitars. I would love it if you could get a podcast going where I could pull out some of these rare guitars and go, well, here's a. A 25th anniversary Black Beauty Gibson Les Paul, and and play it and look at it and we talk yeah. about it and then we put it in the case. But at the same time, even if you was to come and we do one remote over at the at the I can do trailer. it. I can do it remote. I can travel. And then also, I was going to say, um, what's do do you have a website where people could check out your guitars because you sell those, right? Um, I do. I buy, sell, trade, repair, and admire. America's Most Wanted Guitars. America's Most That's Wanted my guitar Guitars. Company. And then what's America's the, Most Wanted Guitars. Is there a website or is it the first thing that when you Google? It, when you Google, it'll come up. You'll see pictures and advertisements. I officially um, shut down the website because people were stealing the images and I didn't know how to handle that, so I just shut it down. People would use my pictures to sell their guitar and then they would get mad and they'd see the 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 name of, of my guitar. They're like, well, that's not the one. I'm like, no, well, that's your problem. Not mine. They stole my image. I'm not, you know, but, um, you could also find it on Facebook and you could also go to my, my, my effects page, so to speak. And you can yeah. see some of the guitars there. Cool. Some yeah. of my guitars are on TV shows. Uh, so, yeah, of course. Well, there you go, man. Um, so that was, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to sign off with you, Mr. Joe. Uh, I so we have your also. Do you have a website to, for people to contact you for con, cons, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, to for sculpturing or effects or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you can go to martinezeffects.com. Um, if you if you want to go Google, just Google Martinez props and special effects, and a bunch of fun stuff will show up. And if you go to my website directly, it's martinez then letter F letter X dot com and you'll find all the fun stuff there and uh and uh 
you know, thank you for, for spending a little time chatting with me. You You're know, right. always a fun to talk to, Bob. Yeah. I love it. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. And, and, and if I could help you out and uh, get your name out there with anybody who might listen, then that help, that's, that makes me happy too. So you be good, Joe, and just uh, stay in touch and let me know what's going on while, during this whole virus shit. Exactly. Well, you stay safe, and uh, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. And uh, like I said, we'll stay in touch and uh, keep each other abreast of the COVID nightmare. Thank you, man. <laughs> okay, good. You be good now, yeah, and, uh, and I'll be talking to you soon. Just stay in touch. You got it, man. Stay safe. Love you, man. Bye. Joe Martinez, another member of the White Wolf Pack. He's a man of many hats, effects guy, prop maker, sculptor, owner, player, and trader of many guitars. He's another dude just trying to survive in this crazy-ass world. And now everybody, though we're in solitude, we've, we've all come, become a little bit closer, you know? We all have a little something in common now. We're dealing with, like, a common enemy. We all have to learn some new tricks, and we have to adapt. You know, a lot of people are cooking who have never really cooked. And these are people, probably the people who bought all the toilet paper and paper towels in the beginning. We have to make a few different choices. We, we sit on our asses, eat all of our rations, get fat and out of shape. And then when the quarantine is over and it's summer, our beach bods are totally ruined. <laughs> or we do the prison workouts, eat healthy, don't snack, get a hobby, revisit a hobby, organize all your shit. Make a pile of shit to throw out. You know, get your life together. You all asked for time. Now you got it. So use this time wisely. Because when we have to go back to work, it's going to be super busy. Super busy. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how I can balance my life more when I get back. Because for some reason, me and free time have been going really well together. I can come on this podcast and yell at you to try to motivate your ass. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing these podcasts via FaceTime or phone call. I'm not going to try to risk having anyone come over. Uh, I don't know how Rogan, any of those other guys are doing it. If you, and if you want to reach me, if you have any questions or if you want to cyber bully me or talk shit, my email is W I T E W O L F S D E N at gmail.com white wolf's den. There is no H. So use your big brain. And if you're listening, you're obviously like, you can look at the screen and there's a, it's how it's spelled right there. Uh, White Wolf's Den, no H, at gmail.com. All right, uh, here's a little ditty from the Swedish Nightingales. You belong to me. This one has the uh, words in it. Enjoy.
to hold. 